This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. That Christ came from his throne into our world that we who are in this world might be seated with him in the heavenly places. Oftentimes we as humans desire that we would tear down Christ and yet he came to raise us up. And another way to say this would be that we oftentimes want to be like God and yet God chose to be like us. In Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to see the humanity of Jesus on full display. Hebrews chapter 1 was the divinity of Jesus. He's greater than all. He's greater than the angels. Um, He's greater than Mosaic law. Uh, He is the creator God, and he is, in fact, God. In chapter 2, verses 5 through 18, we're going to see the humanity of Jesus fully on display so that we can wrestle with the truth that we are human too. I want you to be able to walk away today understanding that if I'm a human, Jesus became a human, that I might become a son of God. As C.S. Lewis says it, he says, the son of God uh, became a man so that men could be sons of God. He became a brother and a sister with us. He became the high priest with us. He became tempted with us. Jesus came as a human. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2, 5 through 18, if you will walk through that with me. We start with verse 5. It says, For he has not subjected to angels the world to come that we are talking about. But someone somewhere has testified, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you care for him? Now you see the beginning of that verse where it says, But someone somewhere. It's an interesting phrase. You're like, why does it say that? Like, does he not know who this is? Well, let's back up for a second. This is the author of Hebrews. We know that Hebrews is written with academic Greek. He's a very academic man. He knows scripture, or person. He knows scripture very well. Quotes scripture often. Uh, he knows where scripture's from. Um, this is like, this is not um, something that he was ignorant of. He would know where, the, this is Psalm 8, y'all he would know where this is from. They memorize psalms. They memorize huge swaths of scripture. So what's the point of this? Why does he say someone somewhere? We don't, we probably can't know exactly, but I think it's something like this. Uh, The author of Hebrews makes himself anonymous because it's not who wrote it, it's what is written. Likewise, it's not who wrote this passage, it's what is written. In fact, even the very point of the passage is to say, who are we? It's almost as if the author reflects an author who's reflecting on the weakness of humans. And so in that, he shows, who are we? Someone. Somewhere. It says, uh, what is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you care for him? I want you to look at uh, Psalm chapter 8 with me briefly. I'll read it out loud. You don't have to turn there if uh, if you just want to listen. 
It says, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place. What is a human? What is a human? Would you just with me, join with me in thinking through that this morning. What is a human being that you, God, remember him? A son of man that you look after him. You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, all the wild animals, uh, the birds of the sky, the, uh, the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You walk outside and you see the splendor of the stars, the power of the sun, producing energy and heat that I couldn't even comprehend. You see the depths of the oceans and the vastness of them. You see the valleys and the beauty of our mountains. You see things that are much stronger than us, animals that are stronger than us, creation like trees that are magnificent and massive. You see everything around us that is powerful, like blizzards and the wind. Even yesterday, the gust of the wind was powerful. I think about uh, hurricanes and tornadoes and how strong all of those things are. And yet out of all of creation and any animal, God chose you. He chose human beings to be the image of himself, to represent himself on the world through our ruling over the world, that we might be crowned with glory and honor despite the majesty that is around us. There must be something in you that God sees and loves and adores and cherishes and honors to have chosen you out of this world. It says, what is a human being that you remember him? If you back, go back with me to chapter 2 of Hebrews and continue, it says, You made him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor. You can see the quotes there. And subjected everything under his feet. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him as it is. We do not yet see everything subjected to him. That is to Jesus. Verse 9, but we do see Jesus crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate. Entirely appropriate. And think about that for a second. Entirely appropriate, it's like it's just, it's good, it's right. This is what is beneficial to this individual. It's entirely appropriate. For what? that God, and then pause for a moment, for whom and through whom all things exist. It's like this. It's like saying, this is just. And remember who's declaring it's just. It's the one who created all things. It's not like, hey, I think this is good. You know, Billy Bob's like, hey, hey, this is probably good. We can take out the, the boat into the water, and I don't care. It's got a couple holes, and it's going to be fine. You're like, uh, I think we're going to sink, Billy. <laughs> I can say that I'm from the South. You can't say that. That would be offensive. But... God's entirely appropriate because he's a creator of all things to do what? That he would make the pioneer of our salvation perfect through sufferings. 
It was entirely appropriate because God of all creation looks at his son, Jesus Christ, the pioneer of our salvation, and, and through suffering, he reveals his son as perfection of what we should have been. He moves from humanity of Jesus to the perfection of Jesus through suffering. Because humans go through suffering to be revealed as the children of God. And if we failed in our mission and we failed in what God had for us in Psalm 8 to be the ones who would rule over creation, then Jesus steps into our humanity and fulfills exactly what we were supposed to do through suffering. Pioneer of their salvation, perfect through sufferings. If Jesus was perfected through sufferings, then so won't I be. If Jesus, then why not me? As God takes me on this journey through life, and you on this journey through life, you know, it's not going to be through the perfection, uh, it's not going to be through easy things that we're perfected. It's going to be through the difficult things. I see a lot of guys out there. I had to pick on one, Jason, earlier, but I can pick on a couple now because uh, we, uh, they worked out with me yesterday. Uh, but one in particular was like, it's like, what are you doing afterwards? He's like, oh, I'm going to work out. I was like, we just worked out. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to work out more. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Okay, but now get this. Muscles have to go through tearing and breaking down in order to become stronger. Now, that's just an illustration of life, but I think it's a larger example of what we must experience in life. Sometimes in our weakness, we're made strong through suffering, through the pain and difficulties of life, because Jesus was revealed as perfection through suffering. Now, that doesn't mean that we go through suffering when it's unjust. We don't don't go through suffering just to go through it if it's because of sin, but rather we go through uh, suffering when we are doing what God's called us to do. In the righteousness of God, we are choosing to do the will of God, and we are enduring suffering. So here's what that means. If you are cheating on your spouse and you're receiving suffering because of it and there's pain in their life and it's difficult in your life, and you're like, well, I'm just suffering for the Lord, you're like, hold on. The decisions you're making are causing suffering because the devil is working. On the other side, when you're doing what Jesus has called you to do and you're facing suffering, you're facing the enemy trying to stop you from doing what is good. On one side, you're doing what is evil and facing the enemy for your result of evil. On the other side, he's trying to cause you to do evil. So in your life, turn from evil and do good. And if in doing good you face suffering, know this, Jesus did too. And in suffering was perfected and shown to be the powerful Son of God because in suffering, perfection is revealed. But also in death, there comes life. Look at this with me says in verse 11, for the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So again, the humanity of Jesus, he is willing to become a brother and a sister. He's God of creation, and yet he becomes brother and sister. Saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to the congregation. Again, I will trust in him. And again, here I am with the children God gave me. That's kind of just like acclimating them to culture, uh, in a sense. It's like he came in here and sang the songs with us, is what that's like. He came in here and listened to a sermon. You know, he sat under priest, yet God of the universe. Right? Verse 14, now since the children have flesh and blood in common, that is that Jesus was not some spirit being, 
which is what many first century theologians at that time, writers were saying. They were reading back into Jesus and saying, okay, he was just spirit. Nope, he was flesh and blood, which means that in flesh and blood, there can be death. Things that aren't flesh and blood, like stone doesn't die, but flesh and blood can die. And therefore, if Jesus was flesh and blood, he had the potential of death. And so it continues, Jesus also shared in these flesh and blood so that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Because in Jesus, death reveals life produces life. Why? You're human. That's hard for us to admit sometimes, amen? A lot of times what we say with human is, is something like this. Um, we're human, we make mistakes. People say it flippantly. Think about it in reality, though. We're human. What does that mean? It means we're going to fail each other. It means we're going to struggle. It means we're going to hurt each other. So it means that we're going to do things that we don't intend to hurt others. It's called a left-handed sin. It means that we're going to do things that are intended to hurt others. It's called a right-handed sin. We're going to do things that hurt people. We're human. Now, it's not an excuse, but rather it's a reality. It's me recognizing that I am weak. I am tempted and I fail. That I'm not perfect. It's us in our marriages, us in our friendships, in our, with our coworkers and with our family, and our, especially with our children, saying, I'm a fallen and broken human being. I know who I am. And the reason that is important is because that is exactly where Christ stepped into. It's when he came into this world, not looking at our world as perfect, but looking at our world as broken and hurting, he steps into that world, and that's where he suffers. So why is that so critical? Because every single day you will suffer. Every day we're going to suffer. Whether doing good or doing evil, we're going to suffer. Part of humanity, due to sin, is suffering. Another part of humanity, due to sin, is death. We feel pain. We experience hurt. We see hurt. Whether it's us directly experiencing suffering or seeing suffering, it's all around us. But not only that, we see death coming. And so Jesus comes into our suffering and into our death and is victorious. Satan wants to stop you from doing good by causing you to suffer. And it looks like different ways. It looks like you coming in here today and saying, Matt, I'm tired. Maybe you're coming in here today and you're just like, Matt, I am so fed up with doing good because I keep experiencing pain. It doesn't look like anything is going well for me and I'm trying to do what is right. Maybe you're coming here today like, I'm so tired of these friends. They're so frustrating and annoying to me and I just, they make me mad and I'm just suffering because of it. Maybe you're in here and you're like, my marriage is crumbling. I'm so tired of my marriage. I want out of my marriage. I'm suffering because of it, Matt. Maybe you're coming in today fearful of death. Maybe it's because of an emotional struggle, anxiety of some sort. Or maybe it's because of a reality. Anxiety is fear of, what, of the unknown. But maybe you have an actual real-life issue you're struggling with. Maybe you've recently been diagnosed with something tragic. Wherever you are, you're looking forward, and you're looking at this situation, you're going, I'm suffering, and I'm looking at death. This is all wasting away and terrible. Well, how good is it to know this? 
Jesus stepped into full humanity to suffer as you suffer. With death in front of him, he still suffered faithfully. With death around him on the cross, having been rejected to the point of crucifixion, he still remained faithful. And we look at all of that and we can say and, and know and have hope today that if I'm human, that's what Jesus was when he prevailed. If I'm human, that's what Jesus was when he conquered Satan, sin, and death forever. It's as we recognize how human we are, how sinful we are, how, much, how weak we are, that we truly see how glorious Jesus is. Amen? It's when I recognize that I'm so weak that I recognize how strong he is because if I'm so weak and he became a human like me, then how strong was he to not fall into the temptation that I fall into daily? As soon as we start thinking that we are not sinful and not struggling, we diminish the power of Jesus Christ. If I'm this weak, then how is he so strong? If I can't overcome death, no matter what I eat, do, and strive for, and no matter how much medicine we put in our body and how many advanced technologies we find, we still wind up dying, and yet Jesus overcame death. How much more should I put my faith in Jesus? How much more glorious is he if everything we do in spending infinite amounts of billions of trillions of dollars on trying to live longer, and we can't, and yet Jesus overcame the grave? That's how glorious our King is. Crowned with glory and honor, Jesus is greater. And so it continues, it says, For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. That is us, the family of God. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Here's what that means. That means that in every temptation you face today, not only does he... Here's three parts to it, guys. Not only... Does he not fall into sin? But he's also the priest who goes to God when we sin and the offering to appease the sin. He's all three. He's not guilty. Instead, he's the priest who works for us and he's the offering for our own guilt. Jesus is greater. There's nothing in your life that he hasn't faced. You may say, well, they didn't face this difficulty back then. They faced a different type of difficulty that was difficult. It was hard. They were broken. They didn't have things we have. They faced different things than we faced, different temptations. But in every way, he sympathizes with you, Scripture says. He understands what you're going through. 
to the point where he understands suffering, to the point where he understands temptation, and to the point where he understands death. So in life, when you feel weak, know you have a strong Savior. In life, when you feel like you can't overcome temptation, know that you have a high priest who will forgive you. In life, when you know and see death coming, know that you have the one who overcame death because Jesus is greater. As the band comes forward, I'm going to give you three things as we close. And right now, they are like, what? How are we already coming forward? Because I never preach this short. Well, I got feedback that I preached too long a sermon, so I'm doing better for you guys. <laughs> um, here's, what, here's what I want you to walk away knowing. Jesus Christ, who is seated on the throne, came into earth so that you who are in earth can be raised up to sit with him forever. Casting down our crowns, we take up our cross because we know he who took up his cross has taken up his crown. And we too will take up our crown one day. My prayer for you today is that in all your temptation and suffering and in death that is to come, you will have hope that Jesus is the victorious Son of God who is the great warrior king that defeated Satan. Satan will not win. Amen? So here's your gospel response. First, confess that Jesus, the Son of God, is also the man who saved you. Jesus, the Son of God, is the man who saved you. How impactful is it to know that the God of the universe came down as a man to do everything that you've done, but do it with perfection so that I might have life? Second, I want you to do an inventory of your life. I want you to look at all the suffering in your life and analyze the stuff that is suffering because of good and the stuff that is suffering because of bad. Let me give you a, a direct example from my own experience. I grew up in the South. If, if you're male and you grew up in the South, that means most likely you probably engaged in some form of tobacco. Okay, I dipped for a long time. Gross, I get it, judge me. Okay, I'm forgiven by Jesus. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Here's the truth though, long term, I know what that leads to, some form of mouth cancer, okay? That's logic. Wisdom would tell me, stop doing that, right? If I suffer from mouth cancer because of, because of engaging in tobacco, I shouldn't blame God. I chose that. It's a suffering I'm experiencing because of the sin that I chose. Now, there's suffering that we experience in the midst of life that's not because of sin. We're doing exactly what God called us to do, but then we experience suffering in life, things that we didn't choose, and the enemy's trying to shake you. I want you to be able to separate those two things out and stop doing those things that are causing suffering in your life but aren't due to good. And then third, like Jesus, become an incarnational missionary. An incarnational missionary is a missionary who knows the people. Jesus knew his people, and he lived like them. Here's the best way I can say it. It looks like something like this. Jesus in the throne, and what he looks like right now, 
is not what Jesus on the cross looked like. I can't imagine Jesus reigning in all of his splendor, coming down to earth on a cross. He's going to be on his throne. The lamb has become the lion, and he's going to be reigning and victorious. His, even his language is not going to be bound to Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. His language is going to be able to flourish in whatever way to communicate glories and wonders that we never could imagine. And so you too need to step into darkness, understanding that it might not look like or feel like or sound like or be dressed like what you think it should, but step into darkness Dressing like whatever is needed, talking like what is ever needed to light it up, to bring life into the midst of darkness. This is my prayer for you this week. Would you go and apply these things to your life? Let me pray for you. God, we love you. We trust you. We believe that you have a plan for us. I pray, Father, that you would move in this place in a way that brings people to you. Would you lead us from where we are to where you have for us? I pray, God, that you would strengthen the weak in this room. God, that you would bring rest to the weary. God, that you would bring hope to those who are suffering and fearful of death. I pray, Father, that you would bring life into the midst of death in a way that wakes us up to your mission in the darkness of this world. And I pray that we would go into darkness like your son came into this world. Would you, Father, use this time to light up our lives that we might go light up this world? Father, if there's anybody in this room who has never recognized your son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior, that today they would turn to him as the author and perfecter of our faith, as the redeemer, as the, as the faithful servant who gave us life, freedom, forgiveness. Would you draw people to yourself this morning? We love you, God, in your son's name. Amen.
questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.